Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And in something of a surprise to me, welcome to our third video on what we thought was a small California-based PC building Twitch company called Artesian Builds, which turned out to be significantly bigger than we thought and with significantly more going on at the company than was originally revealed. Now, if you haven't been with us for the prior two videos, the most important thing to note uh, is that Artesian Builds came to the national forefront about a week or a little bit more ago when they held a sweepstakes to win what was supposed to be a powerful computer. And upon using a random number generator or some other method to figure out who should get this computer, rejected the actual winner of it in favor of someone that could do more for the company, that they weren't fulfilling their end of the bargain, said their CEO, who I've referred to in past videos as Noah Starlord due to the jacket he wore, but whose full complete name is Noah Katz. Now, since we made this video on your screen, this follow-up video to that earlier discussion of sweepstakes law, contest lotteries, the usual fare that we get here in virtual legality, a lot has happened. First and foremost, in that video that was just on your screen, there was a section we called the Apology Tour, in which we looked at apologies put forth by Artisan Builds and its CEO. And they had a letter, there was statements from Intel, there was a video that we analyzed as part of our discussion of this topic. And, well, basically all of it is gone. Now, before we get into the specifics here, I do want to mention to folks, it is Patreon week. This is the week in which we acknowledge our supporters. If you want to support the channel, we've got a Patreon. We've got a Patreon tier that allows you to get your name read in these episodes. And I want to give special thanks to one of those patrons today, Falcus Vipus, who's been supporting the channel for months. And I could not do it without viewers and listeners like Falcus and like you. So if you are interested in supporting the channel, please do check that out or like it, subscribe, do whatever else that you feel that you can do in your position if you do like this content. Uh, and I will remind you of that at the end as I always do. But for now, on with the show. So as I said, all of those apologies left us and were replaced with a somewhat cryptic tweet on March 5th, 2022 that said, at this point, we are examining a potential employee-led buyout of the company Thank you for your support. Now, this is actually put forth in quotes in the tweet, and that doesn't make a ton of sense for the nature of social media and tweeting in general. Presumably, it's the CEO that's being quoted here, but it also appeared to be the CEO that was in charge of this particular social media account. But we'll put that aside as somewhat uh, interesting, but not terribly material. What is material is that even though you've got folks like me critiquing an apology in virtual legality, you can't take that stuff down. You can't take that original letter down. You can't take the video down because it's the message that you went out there with. You got to correct those things. You can't just wipe them from existence. The internet doesn't forget in any event, uh, but that's an even worse look. And certainly the story of Artesian Builds is in part the worst corporate messaging this side of Activision Blizzard, right? And that's a topic we talk about a lot in this space, but perhaps even worse is changing your apologies to, we're thinking of an employee-led buyout which for those of you that don't know, is pretty self-explanatory in terms of titling. It would have employees either with existing equity shares of the company or that want to be equity holders in the company buying out whoever holds it as of right now. And there are reasons to believe that Noah, the CEO, has either the bulk or the entirety of the company as it stands today, or maybe as it stood, as we'll talk about 
in this video and that an employee-led buyout would be them getting together funding or lending sources to go and get him out of the picture, which a number of folks raised as a possibility when we were discussing this initially because the Artesian Builds business model would appear to work. They would appear to have some successful marketing efforts in terms of the names that you can see associated with the company. They've gone out there and built something for themselves. And part of this story is a bit of a cautionary tale, right? They've built something for themselves. It's worth something. We're going to talk about how much it may or may not be worth as part of the discussion points in this video as well, but that it can go in an instant when the figurehead of your company looks as bad as he does. Part of that is why we see management, C-level executives, and others make as much money as they do. I know that a lot of commenters come in here and a lot of folks have discussions with me and say, well, why do they make so much more than worker X, worker Y? And I think a lot of that is justified, but they are also the people that can scuttle the ship with a word and with a bad apology or a bad apology video. And so one of the reasons that you have to be so careful about the CEO, so careful about the board members you pick, so careful about the people that go and represent your brand is because it really can change very, very quickly, as we have seen with this company that I didn't know about all of two weeks ago. So he goes out there with a tweet that says, hey, essentially, I'm thinking about selling the company to my employees, which is another way of saying I'm thinking of walking away from this because essentially his character, his persona, his person is a downward slide for the company and its goodwill. And I said, well, that's interesting, but that's probably not worth a video in and of itself. But I did follow it on March 5th. And at the same time that this tweet went up, roughly, for the first time in virtual legality history, we got talked to by someone that was willing to potentially be a source on our channel. Now, this isn't the first time that people that have been subjects of our videos have actually reached out and contacted me. In fact, it's pretty often, it's about a 50-50 proposition if I do a video on somebody, that they will find it. There are ways to search the internet that these things pop up and I get phone calls from all sorts of interesting people and with conversations that are very, very interesting but are very often on deep background anonymity bases and that I can't otherwise talk about. Now, this particular call was made by an insider at Artesian Builds uh, on the issue of anonymity and what I thought might initially be a legal consultation request. And if you are familiar with hiring a lawyer, one of the things that happens is if you're, you're calling a lawyer to potentially solicit them to provide legal services, attorney-client privilege attaches immediately. That there is confidentially in that always and forevermore, amen. And I take that very, very seriously as every lawyer should. It's a part of the ethics rules. It's a part of how the practice of law works. So I was asked to keep that confidential. I said, absolutely. That's part of this conversation. Now, as it turns out, it wasn't really a legal services conversation at all. It was more of a strategic and consulting kind of communication. Uh, but we had that call and I thought that would be the end of it. Had a nice conversation uh, with this individual and then moved on. And then as of last night, Artesian Builds put out the following tweet. We are sad to announce that effective now, immediately, we are freezing slash suspending all activities. Now, understand, this was a public relations crisis. This was a bad thing that this company did. I thought they could potentially get into trouble with various kinds of laws. You had people digging into their tax background. I talked about that in the earlier video. You see it referenced as tax evasion. 
And I think that might be technically true, but there are so many companies that fail to file the right documents, fail to pay all the states in which they might otherwise be qualified to do business. Their franchise taxes, which it's important to note, are not income taxes in most instances. These are essentially annual fees that you pay for the state to acknowledge that you exist there. It's very easy to forget to file those things. So without more information on that, I, as you know, if you've been in virtual legality with us this past week, am disinclined to treat that with the level of importance that we're seeing it reported on uh, in various places. It certainly can be indicative of real rot and problems at the company. And maybe you think watching this or listening to this that it deserves to be treated that way because of all the other things we're about to talk about. But just on its own, I don't get too riled up about that particular situation that was found because most states allow you to correct it very easily. They have procedures to collect the interest and the penalties because they know people simply miss that email. They forget to do it. It's just something uh, that happens. But actually freezing and suspending all activities on these kinds of things is very, very unusual and does speak to a structural issue, potential rot within the company. He continues saying, ongoing is analysis by outside counsel for reorg. And it's entirely unclear what that would mean, but you could be reflecting back on the employee buyout concept, right? A reorganization is really any time that you'd have a change in control. It doesn't require you to close the company and start a new one, to change from an LLC to a corp, do those various kinds of things. If you were to just sell ownership, that's a kind of reorganization. And outside counsel is the law firm or lawyer one presumes for the company and not the CEO necessarily speaking right here, but that in and of itself is unclear. There can often be combinations of founders and companies that create potential problems with the way these things are run. Don't know enough uh, in respect of that because we're not getting enough information in respect of that. And then the next sentence is to ensure fair treatment of clients, creditors, and employees. We expect more info by month's end and we are open to assisted slash investment. I actually kind of like the optimism here at the end. Here's a terrible, terrible message. We're freezing and suspending all activities. We're talking to our lawyers about reorganizing to essentially ensure fair treatment to all of the stakeholders that are otherwise related to us. Our clients, that's customers, that's probably you and me if you're buying something from them. Your creditors, those are the people that you owe money to. That's the banks, potentially vendors if they've given you things on credit. And of course, the employees who you owe money to for doing work for you. And we expect more info. But even though that sounds awful, do you have any money? We'd love to take your money. We're looking for some other way to save this ship as it kind of craters. It's very, very optimistic of a message. It might also potentially be its own problem. We have issues with general solicitation going out on Twitter and saying we're open for investment, could run into securities laws issues. I really don't want that to be the purpose of this video, but it does speak to what we're going to be speaking about within this video, which is there is a certain lack of attention to detail, dotting I's, crossing T's, specifically with important things like, hey, don't violate the securities laws. Hey, don't violate the sweepstakes laws. And some of these are footfalls, some of these are not. It's just a broad kind of brush I'm gonna paint with that suggests that there is that lacking attention to detail that you really do need at some level. It doesn't need to be as great or as granular as the giant corporations of the world, but at some level, you need to pay attention to the fact that you can't just say anything when you're talking about your corporate form. Now, it's worth it to note that as soon as I saw this tweet at 11.30 p.m. my time, I said, yep, we're probably going to have to follow up on this one because this is all just a super, super odd story. You wouldn't necessarily expect this kind of reaction to what turns out to be a pretty large company, at least medium-sized with a lot of employees, 
to these kinds of things. You would assume the CEO can walk away, you can save the thing, but it does appear that the CEO's identity or the equity ownership of the company or some combination of both was so wrapped up in the existence of the company on the whole that one couldn't live without the other, or at least somebody believes that as part of this story. So I said, yep, we're going to follow up on that. And interestingly enough, in that very same thread, we've got a reference to somebody that appears to have been laid off from the company. I believe this is Syflosion Respawn Recruits who says, hey, any legal advice for an employee that just got laid off? And he had tweeted out, tonight's interesting. I'm pissed, but strangely, I might have just gotten a good tip off to a better path forward. Always nice to hear. If that doesn't work, anyone need a guy who's good with computer hardware stuff? I have stuff to learn, but I'm willing. And you really, really hate to see this. I'm going to leave off the end of this video with my response to this person. But I personally, even as a corporate lawyer who deals with corporations and management and many commenters come in and say, I see things the corporate way. Look at these kinds of things as just so unfair and unfortunate because so much depends on that leadership. They can just so easily scuttle the ship of industry on the iceberg of so many stupid mistakes that I feel so badly for the people that are just on the ship with them. Now, with that as our background, 11.30 p.m., I'm about to go to bed and say, yeah, I'm going to do a video on this, the video that you're watching right now. Another video comes out this morning from a company by the name of Gamers Nexus, which I suspect with 1.61 million subscribers, all of you all are going to come in and say, Rick, how do you not know these guys? They're famous for X, Y, or Z. And they did a video entitled, I believe it's the extremely shady death of Artesian builds. And he has a lot of sections in here. I think he does a good job. He clearly has some inside sources at the company that are feeding him certain things with respect to uh, their Slack channel, some emails they exchanged. They were trying to get Noah on there to interview with this particular channel. And so he has a lot of various pieces of information that actually I didn't have, even though at the same time that this was going up, I was saying, well, I would love to give that inside source that talked to me earlier last week the chance to provide color for what's happening. Uh, and so I email him, I say, hey, can you get back to me on these particular topics? And they say, yes, let's have that conversation. Here is the things that I'm willing to say in this space. We're going to get to those in just a second. For right now, the video from Gamers Nexus is focused on a couple of things. One is this bank assets frozen concept, uh, which potentially sounds worse uh, than it actually is. Also pretty bad in terms of an operational company. Basically, as described, the employees of the company weren't told that their bank account access was being turned off. They were told that you couldn't purchase things, you couldn't refund things, and that's very, very bad. However, if you were to evaluate the company asset position and decide that there was no saving it and that you were going to go into a bankruptcy spiral or otherwise, at some point, you have to start preserving the assets for what your creditors are. And there's an order of operations to who your creditors are. And people that purchase things are essentially going to be unsecured creditors for most purposes. And different laws can jump in for different reasons here, especially if they didn't get the product they were sold. All sorts of things can happen. But one of the things that you have to do is try to preserve your assets for the people that you owe contractual commitments to that are secured by some kind of collateralization of the company. And very often you have a freeze uh, in that. Now, this isn't the way it's usually handled. You're telling people about this. You're walking them through how all of this is going to go down. That doesn't happen here. And here we see an email that Gamers Nexus got access to that kind of talks about what was happening on the inside during this period of time. It says, hi folks, this past week has been a difficult and chaotic time for everyone here. While I have been working around the clock to help stabilize the situation, I would now like to share an update to the team about where we are. At this time, 
we are continuing to seek support for Artesian builds so that we can restart the order flow and continue to ship awesome PCs, which will help us recover from the current situation. Now, that's an interesting piece of information just in and of itself, right? Because as far as I know, Artesian builds didn't tell anybody on its website or in its Twitch chat or elsewhere that they had stopped order flow, that they were already experiencing difficulties with actually fulfillment and those kinds of things. And that could present its own kind of issue. But as we've seen just with the sweepstakes concept, they have problems with communication across all sorts of stakeholders. So maybe they said something that I missed could absolutely happen. But if they didn't, that can create its own kind of issue because here they're saying at some point they shut off operations. As it was the weekend, important conversations are slated for this coming week and have not yet occurred. Now, this is totally fair. Banks don't like to work on the weekends. All sorts of people don't like to work on the weekends. But in general, if you've got that iceberg just ahead and you're in crisis communications mode, you can get somebody on the horn. You can work through the weekend on this kind of stuff when you know it's an emergency, when you know you need some kind of temporary commitment. This all speaks to a financial problem at the company. And I don't know that. I didn't get that from my source. I didn't know that from any kind of specifics in front of me. I'm not looking at their financial records, but this is the kind of thing that you do when you're trying to preserve assets and you don't know whether or not you have enough uh, to control your burn rate for paying actual people, for getting orders out, for controlling the costs that are associated with your business model, and you are trying to save what is then a rapidly sinking ship. For now, the company will continue to fulfill existing orders from stock on hand to the best of our ability. So, as I just said, they can't fulfill some things because they've shut off what appears to be purchasing. We got references to order flow, continuing to shipment, and those kinds of things while still trying to fulfill whatever we have in our warehouse or in our otherwise available inventory. But we don't know what we don't know. And this all speaks to someone trying to preserve assets, whether legitimately or illegitimately. We will have more to say in the coming days. And then he finishes off by saying the GN, which one assumes is the Gamers Nexus interview, isn't an immediate tomorrow thing. But I love Steve. We'll see. Now, Gamers Nexus also got a secondary email that went along with this tweet that we were just talking about today. Hello, everyone. As I mentioned yesterday, I have been spending the past week working relentlessly across many areas on the back end, attempting to secure the vital funding necessary to sustain company operations. And there's where the rubber hits the road, right? Whatever their financial situation looks like, whether it's heavy on debt overly leveraged, can't pay its current employees, whatever that might look like, it certainly seems like it is a big, big problem for the company as it stands when this email goes out. While that process is continuing, I have an important announcement to share. Then it's basically the repeated tweet, right? Effective immediately, Artesian is imposing a full freeze on all business financial activities to ensure fair treatment of everyone involved with Artesian, including customers, creditors, and employees. Artesian is undergoing a financial analysis by outside counsel for reorganization purposes and is freezing all payments. Now that's interesting in and of itself. Legal counsel isn't usually doing financial analysis. That's generally something that goes through your accounting firm. Uh, but counsel can do those kinds of things, depending on what size counsel you have, who exactly you've hired for that purpose. It's the, it's the kind of thing legal counsel can do. Uh, but maybe this is a reference to financial representatives. You don't usually see those referred to as counsel, but hey, I don't know. Pending the recommendations made by that counsel. So they've got an issue with finances. They can't pay somebody. They can't pay some bills somewhere. There's some issue that if they can't get additional investment or other funds into the company, there's going to be trouble. Now, the reason for that 
is entirely unclear, whether that's because the spotlight pointed at the company, shone light on deficiencies or otherwise, whether the, what happened with respect to the sweepstakes and the virtual legality coverage of it and everybody else's coverage of it led to uh, Intel dropping out or other sponsors dropping out and they were funding the company on a very real basis. We don't know the answer to that. What we do know is that this company was in financial trouble when it shuts down and that the employees seem to have been taken by surprise, which doesn't surprise us on the outside, seeing how we have observed this company operating with respect to communications, but it's really no way to run a railroad in and of itself, operating in California and other places could get in trouble with the notification requirements for mass layoffs and all sorts of things uh, that again, I don't wanna get into the specifics of because they're very detailed and would depend on detailed facts and circumstances that I don't have access to. Now, I do want to say something about this Gamers Nexus video. I highly recommend checking it out. There are references to the Slack channel, to these emails that I didn't have access to. I'm very appreciative of this email uh, coming out, of this video. I also want to say, though, that I do think it's a little harsh, and I say this as someone who has been a little harsh, to Noah Katz at Artesian Builds, and speaks a lot in the second half about not wanting to come on and give an interview despite the fact that they're offering this massive platform to correct things, et cetera, et cetera. And I think to be fair to the individuals involved, whenever faced with an interview kind of concept, it's important to know that that can be helpful, it can be hurtful. Now, Gamers Nexus, to their credit, references that a number of times, but I don't really think gives full credit to what that means, especially if you're on the hot seat for essentially not being very capable of controlling your live statements out into the world and causing this maelstrom basically through the efforts of your own mouth. Now, I definitely understand why you'd want an interview as a YouTube channel because you wanna get the information out there most benignly. And of course, self-interestedly, you wanna get something that's gonna be popular and gonna have a lot of views on your channel. That all makes sense. But I do think we have to give some faith and credit to the people that are being put in a position that they never expected to be put in with the knowledge that essentially they screwed up pretty big the last time they tried to communicate anything in a live environment. So that's all I wanted to say about that. It's a great video. Do check it out. I will link it, of course, in the description here. But that leads me to what I mentioned in my thumbnail and earlier in this video, which is that we have an inside source of our own that provides additional color to what was happening during this period of time. And I think it's very, very interesting. Now, before we get started, as we've said in virtual legality, this is going to be someone that's anonymously sourced. Now, I've talked to this person. I think that they are trustworthy. I also think that they, like any other anonymous source, like any other human being on earth, has their own interest in this situation that they are very, very close to. So we're going to be evaluating that as we look at some of the quotes here, but you should definitely be doing that yourself. As we say in any context, I know this is the first time we've done this here in virtual legality, you've got an anonymous source, take it with a grain of salt because you can't identify entirely what that tilt is, where their biases are, although we're going to be able to pick up on a few as we look at the quotes kind of by themselves. With that said, let's take a look at what this anonymous insider at Artesian Builds had to say. First, it's certainly not a great picture right now. No one notified everyone that they're terminated, effective immediately after being mostly unavailable over the past week. No apology, no nothing. And that's a step beyond financial freezes and these various other things that we saw internally. We saw people discussing in their Slack channel in that Gamers Nexus video. This is the end of all things in terms of how the entity is operating. And it brings up 
those Warren Act issues. It brings up those various other concepts that we've already discussed, whether it's a sweepstakes law, whether it's a securities law, whether it's any host of other things. When you start to see those even footfault level problems, you can start to say, okay, if we're going to dig in to the company on a more holistic level, whether it's a financial or legal audit or something worse, when we start talking about third-party regulators, you can expect that there probably are more bats or skeletons in the closet, depending on how you want to frame that particular metaphor. And so you get a quote like this and you start to see, this is somebody that was personally affected by this and isn't thrilled with how the CEO handled things. That continues in the next quote. So our staff of over 70 people are understandably furious for not only their monetary impact, and many were paycheck to paycheck, but also due to Noah's lack of any accountability or empathy that he 100% caused. There also sounds like there will be a delay on payments until at least the end of the month. And I think based on that phrasing, you can take the implication that Mm, there are doubts there that that will happen at all. And I think those doubts are probably justified. But you start to see these references. This is someone that appears for all practical purposes to be very upset at the way their CEO handled this particular situation. You see a reference to lack of accountability or empathy. You also get a different number for the people that are employed by Artesian Builds than even was put forth in that Gamers Nexus uh, video, right? And everybody's kind of guessing at this. There's not a great way to see this optically. I believe the number I heard in that video was 40 to 50 people, which he rightly said was bigger than you would have thought. Right? If you're talking about a Twitch video that builds out PCs, you're thinking it's X number of people to do that kind of function, but it also involves the people that are actually getting those particular sponsorships in the door. Right, This is a team building PCs on Twitch and they were sponsored by Intel. They are sponsored by or partnered with various other big, big, big name streamers. And to get that done, well, you need to have a wooing committee. You need to have a marketing department, a public relations department. And some of that is why it's so interesting that the public relations went so wrong. And that speaks to something that we saw in Activision Blizzard, right? If you go back to that video series that I did talking about Activision Blizzard, one of the things that I mentioned when we saw the Activision initial response to the California lawsuit is that that statement didn't feel vetted at all. It didn't feel like PR had seen it. It didn't feel like legal had seen it. It was just ranting and raving about the state of California and how the DFEH and various of their agencies actually operate. And the Artesian Builds statements and that video had that same kind of patina right? It felt like it was just Noah. It felt like they didn't have a PR department or a marketing department. But if you really reflect on it, you talk about 70 people, a number of them are building computers. A number of them are building computers that aren't on video, as best I can tell. We'll see a quote that leads me to believe that in just a second. And a number of those are running the back office. A number of those are getting payroll done. A number of those are doing marketing and selling the company. So when you talk about a company this large, it is not a small operation. And generally, you should be consulting with legal counsel on a fairly regular basis. My personal book of business is a lot of companies in the 50 to 100 people range that don't necessarily want to pay for inside counsel because they don't necessarily have enough work for somebody that's going to sit there as a lawyer on a day-to-day -day basis, but is regularly talking to outside counsel because they do have contracts and they do have employee offer letters and they do have certain things that need to be evaluated. Those sponsorship agreements are being looked at by somebody presumably. Uh, but in any event, this is a company that's fairly large and it's a company that is having its employees suffer 
for what management has done and which may not be paid, right? If we talk about a company that may go into bankruptcy, it's going to really depend on how many assets it has about who does get paid and what the collateral situation is and how your various bank agreements work because there are various degrees of who gets paid before who. Now, employees often take a very high level uh, of getting paid because they're performing services and the company couldn't operate without them. But when you start talking about getting paid a nickel on the dollar, it's not going to make a lot of difference for those folks that don't get paid and are living paycheck to paycheck. So when you talk about this kind of thing, you can understand why our anonymous source here isn't feeling terribly great about the situation as it proceeds. I have another quote here. The way things were handled with all of Noah's public posts. So that's the apology tour. That's the post about employee buyouts. That's the post that we just saw about freezing everything, including the latest where he is openly stating he's seeking buyout and investment opportunities would make it difficult for most individuals to justify touching the company. And I think this is an important consideration, right? So something goes terribly wrong with your company. In this case, you've got somebody that may or may not be breaking sweepstakes rules, but in any event, very much offended its sponsors and made it difficult for sponsors to be involved with a brand that was seen as tainted after this all became kind of national headline news. At that point in time, you have to be on your best behavior. When we're talking about corporate messaging, you have to look like you are uh, reticent. You are terse. You don't want to go out there and make things worse. And as we talked about, the reason there was a follow-up video at all is that apology tour was so deficient. The initial tweets were deficient. They served as just marketing for their company. The second message was deficient. The video was maybe the worst out of all of those. And then you take those down and replace it with, we're considering a reorganization of some kind. That's in and of itself bad. And then when you're announcing the end of all things for your company, you basically say, hey, we're open to more investment if anybody's willing to give it to us. These are all problems. And when you start to have a wild card actor like that, if you can't be sure that you can wipe them out, that you can get them out of this business entirely, then you've got a problem getting anybody to pick up the phone, right? Even if you have a company that's worth multiple millions of dollars. And I told you I would mention this, but if you've got 70 people, if you've got a burn rate of paying 70 people anything remotely decent for their jobs. And there's some questions there that we'll also talk about in just a minute. You are talking about millions and millions of dollars of cost in all likelihood. And those millions of dollars of cost might well generate more millions of revenue, but that might not be a whole ton if the entire ship starts to sink. You might be on very thin margins. And even though you're making millions of dollars, that isn't itself going to prevent you from going under if something major happens and everybody starts to look at your brand as toxic. So I think this statement is warranted. And I think it's warranted. And I think a lot of people could see it on the outside that says, well, the one thing you would want to do is get this guy at bare minimum out of the spotlight, right? The public doesn't generally care about ownership, especially for private entities. If the person can go dark and put their head down and get off the Twitch stream and that kind of thing. Here, it was a little bit different. There was clearly a melding of identity and celebrity and Twitchness and CEO-ness and all these various things that have created a problem and it has doubled down and then doubled down again and then doubled down again, creating a situation where if you were going to get rescue funds for a business model that I here in Virtual Legality legitimately think could work, that the Artesian Builds website model outside of what we saw with that sweepstakes could work, could be attractive to gamers. You already saw they had plenty of ambassadors, uh, many of which they were unwilling to reward in any kind of material capacity, but they had plenty of people that were interested in getting involved with their brand. And yet... They just continued to act wildly. And realistically, their CEO, 
seems to have been the most at fault for that. Finally, we got a list of things that the staff had found going through and doing that due diligence we talked about earlier in the video, which is looking at things really closely once this happens, once all of this wild stuff is coming out online. Now, as I say here, uh, I've referenced it as per source. All of these are allegations. And in fact, I've held back on some which I thought were too speculative and potentially too damaging if they weren't true. I held back on a couple of things that my source said there. But here is what they mentioned in this capacity. It said CEO spending company funds on personal rent, clothing, cars, and food. Now that rent one is interesting. We're going to talk about why that's interesting in just a second. But I also want to talk from a legal perspective about why this might be the biggest problem with respect to the way the company is actually operating, right? If you're CEO and founder and probably controlling owner, either 100% or a majority, then one of the things you are trying to do with your corporation is have what we call a liability shield. Uh, and that liability shield exists under the law only in so far as you make sure that the corporation or the LLC or whatever formation you take is distinct from your person, right? So if you were sitting in my office across from my desk and you said, Rick, I want to start an LLC, I would say to you, great, here's a number of things that you need to do. One of which would be don't commingle your funds. Fancy legal terminology for pay your business bills out of your business account, pay your personal bills out of your personal account, and never the twain should meet. And I know it's ridiculous, especially if you're a single member LLC, which this isn't the case on. But if you're a single member LLC, you're like, well, okay, this company is me. I named it something different because I want to contract in that name and I want to have some liability protections that you think can be afforded to me, Mr. Hogue. But it's just me, right? What does it matter if I get paid over here or over here? It matters. We call them corporate formalities. But basically the gist is, if you're commingling funds, if you're not careful about how you're signing your contracts, if you are treating the company as if it doesn't exist, then the law takes the position that it can treat it as if the company doesn't exist. We call it piercing the corporate veil, which in my opinion is one of the cooler phrases in transactional law. But it says, hey, if somebody's got a problem with artesian builds and artesian builds can be shown in court to basically have not been treating itself as a separate entity, then it can go after the owners directly. It can go after Noah directly. It can go after Noah's house or cars directly. And so if you are commingling those funds, if you are spending them for things that you shouldn't be spending them on, you've got a real risk that a court or a plaintiff is going to come in and say he was treating it as if it was his personal piggy bank. He should not be afforded the protection of the laws. And when this kind of thing starts happening, that's where you run into real risk. So if this is the kind of thing that can pop out of a due diligence look, then if you are the CEO, if you're the owner, if you're the same person in both those roles, you start to really, really worry about what this looks like, particularly if your company is in debt or facing financial straits that you don't know how to get out of. Because if that stuff can hit you personally, you start to be in real, real trouble. Then with this next bullet, you get into what are charitably allegations of de facto embezzlement of a kind. You see reference to staff finding exorbitantly high salaries paid to men and women with no job descriptions, uh, who my source suggests might be yes men or women uh, for Noah or others at the company, but that the staff itself can't really find how they were hired, exactly what went into their hiring, what they do uh, at the company, and they get very high salaries for what the payroll averages are uh, for company positions. And if that is in fact the case, that is a problem in and of itself. It's also a problem, practically speaking, when you look at the third bullet, which says that at the same time that they're finding those particular salaries paid to folks, they are simultaneously underpaying East Coast staff, which is 
the branch office that isn't run by the CEO, which I understand is in North Carolina, despite being the sole branch generating a profit. Now here, I think the source might go a little too far insofar as it's a holistic enterprise, right? If you build all the computers in one place, but the marketing is in another place, then the marketing is a cost center over in California, but you're getting the money done in North Carolina. One can easily look at the finances there and say, yes, they're generating the profit, but we're sending the clients over. Uh, And I think it's not as obvious there that that in and of itself is a potential problem. But certainly if they're being underpaid, while at the same time you are using cash resources of the company on people that maybe don't have jobs, maybe are your friends, maybe are otherwise, then that in and of itself could be a problem. Now, these are all allegations. I have no capacity to evaluate these things on my own. These are things told to me directly by this source at Artesian Builds. But you can see that if these allegations hold up, if this is the kind of thing that is happening at the company, then they are in real, real trouble, especially if they can't affect that kind of reorganization. And that in and of itself becomes a problem. And there are a lot of companies that do this kind of thing. A lot of my time is spent trying to fix things like this for companies that come in, knock on my door and say, we need to reorganize. We need to figure out how to fix this because with a little luck, you've got an investor willing to actually put money in your business model because end of the day, if your business model works we can fix things if it makes sense from a monetary perspective, but that these companies have been operating as their own personal piggy bank. They've been paying friends and family. They've been not organizing their costs and payroll expenditures in the right way. And this kind of thing can happen. It just doesn't usually happen accompanied by a national news story where the face of the brand is the one screwing things up again and again and again. And the final slide I wanted to share with you is a continuation of this staff also found slide. Again, these are all allegations, all per the source. They found instances of CEO profanity-laced berating of staff on a personal level beyond critiques of work performance. And it's difficult to evaluate how bad that might be other than kind of assholishness. And obviously you can't have a harassing work environment that's been more and more in the news uh, of late, certainly, and especially in the video game or video game related uh, fields. But as I've also said in different spaces, it's not in and of itself illegal to be an asshole. So it would really depend on the facts and circumstances and the specifics here. The thing that jumps out at me, of course, is if they are just tirades that don't have anything to do with your professional life, your work, your work performance, that's when you start to get into potentially real trouble. They also mentioned that every senior level staff member at the company has quit over the past six months and that the CEO is repeatedly tardy to actually going to the work hours that they are supposed to perform despite, as jumped out at me, living directly above the workshop. And that's where I promised you that the rent question up here is actually pretty interesting. This strongly suggests that the Twitch stream originates from the house that the company is paying rent for. So to the extent it's a company expense, there's probably a portion of that that is legitimate business expense. This is where you get into accounting questions is where I get to enough knowledge to be dangerous, certainly not the whole rent if you're living there because that's a personal uh, kind of uh, structural cost requirement that you can't put off on the company. But rent gets a little bit more confusing, similar with cars and other things, but certainly it's the kind of thing where it would have to be evaluated, audited, really analyzed by financial folks. And if this proved to be correct, it's the kind of thing where you don't want to be on the wrong end of lawsuits, whether it's creditors suing, whether it's customers suing, whether it's AGs suing for sweepstakes laws violations. If that happens and the corporate formalities have not been followed and the veil can be pierced, you are shaken in your boots if you're an owner of a company 
like this. And that might well be the situation. All of this is anonymously sourced. All of this is very difficult to evaluate from the outside. But I was hearing these kinds of things and I wanted to do a video on it because I think it's important color for what we see happening with this company and how quickly these kinds of things can go down when the public face says the things that they do. Finally, as I promised, I wanted to leave you off with my response to shy explosion uh, here. Hey, any legal advice for an employee that just got laid off? Somewhat tongue in cheek. Uh, but I wanted to answer sincerely because this kind of stuff I've seen in my life, I've seen in my practice, I've seen in two decades almost of doing this. Uh, and this kind of stuff is very important to me. I said, hey, keep your head high and know that I and many others, and I mean this, I know many of you understand this pretty intrinsically, understand how unfair it is that the sins of management are so often visited on a company's employees. Apologies. I hate that. I hate that really to the bottom of my heart because so many people, so many people out of these 70 didn't do anything to deserve this. Maybe we're getting paid too little for the jobs that they were performing. And then they find themselves giving a tweet late at night to a lawyer in Michigan with a YouTube channel saying, man, this sucks. And I hear you. I think it sucks too. This has been Virtual Legality for today. If you enjoy these conversations, or more specifically, if you find information, education, and maybe a little entertainment out of these conversations, please consider supporting the channel. At Patreon, we're going to have a new way to support us as well. If you don't like Patreon, very, very soon, if you do support us on Patreon, we've got a tier. You can get your name read by me. Special thanks to Falkus Vipus for sponsoring us at that level for so long as they have. Otherwise, if you just want to subscribe, ring bells, upvotes, downvotes, share it on Reddit, share it on Twitter, share it wherever you find yourself. Every little bit counts and helps raise that subscriber number. That subscriber number getting raised helps YouTube see us and YouTube is very clearly pushing the channel more and more as that number grows. So please do help us with that. Every little bit counts. If you caught this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it as a podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel. Thank you.